before we get to our text this morning, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but there's a very cute TikTok going viral of a very excited little English boy telling his mom that he got a classic role in the school nativity play. He's in the back seat in his car seat, and he's telling her this exciting news. And as you can expect, his mother is quite delighted that her son uh, is excited about this role in the school play. And he, she tries to guess which classic role her son got. So she goes through the normal, you know, she's, Joseph, no. One of the wise men, no. An innkeeper, no. Well, honey, I think you'll need to tell me then. And the little boy joyfully exclaims, door holder number three. <laughs> and she's, you're quite pleased with that, aren't you? And he said, yes, quite pleased to be the classic role of door holder number three. Well, this morning we come to our text and we find that there's a classic role in the events surrounding the nativity of our Lord and I'm guessing no one would have on their classic nativity bingo card. It would be about as unexpected as door holder number three, but a whole lot more terrifying. You see, in our text today, we're reminded that while shepherds were watching their flocks by night, while Mary wrapped her baby in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, while she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart, while we get sentimental and sing away in a manger, war, war was being waged. War was being waged in the heavenly places. And a terrifying dragon was on the prowl, waiting to devour the child, the son of the Most High. Let's read Revelation 12, verses 1 through 6. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this vision that you gave the Apostle John. And Lord, we come to it this morning. And Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, that we might be reminded that even in the face of dragons, there is hope. 
and hope was born anew in and through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning is the final Sunday of Advent and the eve of Christmas, the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. We long for the return of Jesus as we lean into this Advent season. It is a complete and full reminder today that as we celebrate the fourth Sunday of Advent, prepare for the birth of Jesus Christ, that God kept his promise by sending his one and only son, Jesus. And he will keep his promise to come again. Last week, we were in Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5, and we saw that we want hope to come on our time. We want it on our schedule, on our time, but hope comes in the fullness of time. Hope comes in the time that God himself has set. And Paul reminds us in that text that when the fullness of time had come, hope was born. Born of a woman, born under the law, born for redemption, and born for our adoption. We're finishing our Advent series today, Hope Rises from Unexpected Places, with a text that might seem a little bit strange but it really fits this day well. John's vision here in Revelation reminds us that what we experience and see in this world is a manifestation of the battle being waged behind the scenes. You see, we can often see the realities of this life and lose hope and wonder if God's plan can actually work. Can God's plan actually work? work. It's so easy for us, both personally, corporately as God's people, or even politically or nationally, we take things into our own hands. Certainly, there's no way that God's way can work. There's no way that God's way, take up your cross and follow me, turn the other cheek, love your enemies, That's the battle plan? Does God even know how to fight and win these battles? We even come to the point sometimes where we believe that God needs us to win the battle for him. But what we see in our text is that when all hope seems lost, hope rises from unexpected places a woman, a dragon, and a child. First, a woman in verses 1 and 2 and then 6. The woman in in this vision that John has given uh, reflects the vision that Joseph back in Genesis 37 verse 9 had where the sun and the moon and the 11 stars all bow down to him representing his family the nation of Israel, bowing down and worshiping him. The woman is Israel and brings forth the hope of Israel, the Old Testament portrayal of faithful Israel or Judah or Jerusalem was as a a virgin or God's bride. And this woman, symbolizing the nation of Israel in general and in particular, Mary, 
the maiden of Israel, the daughter of Zion, the one who will give birth to the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus. And in verse 6, after the, the dragon comes on the scene and the child is born, the woman we see fleeing into the wilderness. And uh, this is the image of Israel as a, uh, a traveling woman is found several times in the prophets in Isaiah 66 and Micah 4 and 5. And then we hear these words from Isaiah 26, 17 through 18 that would remind us of what John is portraying here. The prophet writes, As a woman with child and about to give birth rise and cries out in her pain, so were we in your presence, O Lord. We were with child. We writhed in pain, but we gave birth to wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth. We have not given birth to people of the world. The old Israel right? Their calling was to bring God's saving love, his salvation to the world, and they failed. But God didn't leave them as failures. It was accomplished through the birth of the Son of God, born of a woman. And for the early church, there was an important continuity between old Israel and the church, the true Israel. The continuation of, of, the, of the people of God. And here the woman is Israel who gives birth to the Messiah. She then becomes an image of the church who flees into the wilderness to find safety and nourishment prepared by God for her. even in the midst of heartache, of trial, and even persecution. John's vision is reminding us that the church will find nourishment and shelter prepared by our God in any situation. It is he who provides for us, even in the midst of great heartache, trial, and persecution. And where would this come from? Where would this, these trials, these, this heartache, this persecution come from? The dragon. In verses three through four, we're told in verse nine that the dragon is Satan. Not just a representation of Satan, but it is Satan, the great enemy of God and his people, ready to devour the child who is born to rule all the nations. These symbols that John sees in the heavens depict the cosmic epic, epic battle between God and Satan. And just like it looks from, from our perspective, a lot of the time, Satan looks like he has all the advantages. He's a dragon. And not just a dragon, he's got seven heads with ten horns. Now, we're not going to go into all the imagery of what that might mean and who... Uh, He's a scary dragon. <laughs> and he is waiting to devour a child that a pregnant woman is ready to give birth to. Who would you bet 
on in that conflict? What are the odds that a pregnant woman and her child will overcome this mighty dragon? Zero. Zilch. Nada. Our text is a clear allusion to Psalm 2, verses 7 through 9, which identifies the child as the Lord's anointed, the Messiah. And out of the mouths of babes, God has established strength, the psalmist reminds us. So Satan goes to war as a dragon with seven heads and ten horns. And God overcomes him through a pregnant woman giving birth to a baby boy. Ridiculous. And yet, however much it may look like the dragon has all the advantages, he loses every single time. He loses every single time. He loses every single time. It may not feel like it in the moment. The circumstances of this life, what we see, what we experience ourselves, may not feel or look like he loses every single time. But he does. Over and over and over again. The dragon loses every time. And he loses every time because of a child. Verse 5. Again, this passage is reminding us of Genesis 37, 9, where Joseph has his dream. And so, as we think about this imagery of hearkening back to Genesis 37, we see that that this vision is portraying Jesus as a a new and greater Joseph, a a greater ruler of the nations. You remember that Joseph rose to the second command of Egypt, and he basically ruled the nations because they were coming to Egypt to find help and aid. Jesus is the one who is the greater Joseph, the one who brings rule and aid to all the nations in his name. This birth of Jesus is interpreted here as the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies that point to the birth of the child who brings redemption for God's people and rules over all the nations of the earth. This child is the hope of the world. And he is rescued from the dragon and taken up and kept at God's throne until he comes to destroy the dragon once and for all. Some would argue that in light of Psalm 2 and Isaiah 9 and Micah 5, that the the birth probably indicates Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, not his literal birth. But others see no issue in understanding this vision as taking the, the literal birth of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection all in one, and Jesus' ascension and being in view here. That his life is 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 seen in his in his birth 
and his ascension up to God. And when Jesus died on the cross, it looked like Satan had conquered. But God turned certain and total defeat. His own people rejecting and crucifying the Messiah into the victory that saves the world. When it looked like the last defense against evil had fallen, Jesus said, not so fast. I'm back. Back from the dead. Decisively breaking the back of evil. So what does this have to do for us? Well, obviously, we have great hope in this child who was born Jesus Christ, the hope of the world, the ruler of nations, the hope of our salvation. But as we specifically look at this text, how does it help us today? Well, we live in a time, frankly, just like most every other time in human history. We forget that. The world around us seems to be full of sin and strife. Yep, it's always been. But doesn't it sometimes seem like Satan has the upper hand? We face a death. We mourn those who just died. Or we mourn death that is approaching. War, all kinds of sin. Don't you feel the world is broken? Don't you feel the shadows deepen? Don't you wish that you could see it all made new? Doesn't it look like the dragon is the one who knows how to fight and to win? And God seems to pick the losing strategy every time? A virgin woman, a baby in a manger, a cross... He said, turn the other cheek. Bless those who persecute you. Love your enemies. We are to preach Christ and him crucified and not with what the world thinks is eloquent wisdom. He chooses the weak things of the world. As one commentator puts it, it's almost as though God shows up on the playground to pick his team. And instead of picking the guys who look like they can play, he picks those who obviously can't. And how does it always turn out? God triumphs every time. Why? Because he's worthy. He is able to break the seal and open the scroll. He is the Lion of Judah who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. He is worthy. 
And how do we know? Because John saw something else. Something even greater than a dragon. In Revelation 21, John saw a holy city. New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. This child, this Jesus, is making all things new. He is our hope. He is where hope rises from unexpected places. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus, our hope. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see. Eyes to see that when we can't comprehend your plan, when we think your plan has no way to work, when we see the red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and we think all is lost, give us eyes to see, to see your son Jesus, high and lifted up, the one who is coming again in power and glory. And may we put our faith and hope and trust in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.